So we're doing a series, Ephesians, um, we're doing chapter one today, and uh, it's been a good series, and it's we've m- very much focused on the house of God and, and what God is doing in his house and what, in terms of family and family life, church family. And so I want to take you to a to scenario that I've shared a few times already. Okay, imagine yourself, God the Father takes you up onto a hill. He takes you up onto the hill and then he shows to you your promised land. And he shows you right all the way to the mountains over there, all the way to the river over there. This is your land. And so we've been speaking about that, that this is God's, he he said, this is yours. Go and enjoy, go and take it, go and receive it. And then I've shared over the last few weeks and Sonica shared last week as well. I hear it was an amazing, amazing message, amazing service. Praise God. God is good. And um, so I've shared how we go down and we see if we find giants and we run away and we, and, and different areas of how we can take our land. And so if the book of Ephesians reveals to us this incredible plan of God for us, for each of us. And so this morning, I want to speak to you about the Father's house. I want to share with you about the Father's heart compared to the orphan spirit. So many battle with the orphan, the orphan thing. So it's like, it's like the standard is the orphan spirit. And so you're standing on this hill with God the Father, and he's saying to you, there it is, go, take it, it's yours. And then you go. And you can have two people, and it looks the same on the outside, exactly the same. They're going to take their land. The one has an orphan spirit. The source is an orphan spirit. The other one is a son or a daughter of God. And it comes down to what is our source. I'm going to explain a bit about that. What is our source? What are we accessing in our lives? And so I'm trusting that this morning that God's going to give us a fresh revelation of who the Father is. How much He loves us. And come and set us free. Come and heal us. On the inside. So I'm trusting for a healing in our hearts. So I just want to pray for us before I continue. Father, we thank you. And you're a good God. You love us so much. It's astounding how much you love us. And Father, we pray that this morning you'd shower us in your kindness. Shower us in your goodness. Shower us in your amazing love, God. Come and turn our lives right side up. In the name of Jesus. Lord, come. Lord, speak to us. I pray that every ear will hear what the Spirit is saying right now. Thank you, God, that you are drawing us to you. And I pray, God, that every heart will come alive. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I want to sketch you a scenario. I I shared a little bit about this in, I think, one of the first two messages. But uh, cold, snowy, winter's day. And there's this lovely house. God the Father is inside with Jesus the Son. Holy Spirit. There's fire. It's awesome. Nice and warm. Lovely. 
and they're having a meal. They're sitting at this massive table, dinner table, having a meal, having a wonderful time. Family. Outside is us, like street kids, scavenging in the rubbish bins, trying to find our way, trying to find enough food. It's cold outside. We, it's no fun. And so we peer through the, through the window and we see this lovely scenario on the inside. This laughing and fun and food and warm. And then Jesus sees us. He sees that we're outside. And so Jesus went and he opened the door for us. So that we could come to the Father. That's why I went to the cross. That's why Jesus died. He, he died so that we could come to the Father. He opened the door so that we can come out. So that we can come out of the, the, the street scavenging lifestyle. But I believe there are so many Christians that have called upon the name of Jesus. And they have become a Christian. But they're still living like orphans. It's because of the source, the, the spirit on the inside. From the outside, it looks the same as the other one. But we know this. On the inside, there's this orphan thing, this illegitimacy. There's this something that, that leads us to fear and doubt and worry and be anxious. And so there's a few things that I want to just put on the screen for you. What the orphan spirit does. The first thing it does is if you're outside this house and you try and peer through the window, you get a distorted image of who God is. You don't see him for who he really is. You, 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 you think he's an angry, angry God. And uh, he's an angry God. And the smallest little mistake, he's going to clop you. You know, he's just like, maybe your own parents, maybe your own dad was really an, a challenging man. And so sometimes we get our perception of who God the Father is from our earthly parents. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. And so we get a distorted image of who he is. But the spirit, it's a spirit that distorts our sight. And wants to make us run away. The spirit will also cause us to not trust others. It's like a, a deep mistrust. I don't trust people. I especially don't trust leaders. And I don't trust church leaders. There's this thing on the inside I, I just can't seem to trust. And then the next one. Part of the orphan spirit is you want to do it your way. Not God's way. It's like when, with Jesus, he trusted the Father in everything. He followed him. He knew he's a good God. So if the Father says do it like this, it's going to be good. But when we have the orphan spirit, it's like my way. It's like stubbornness. It's like I'm going to do things my way, not his way. And we're too afraid to ask him as well. It's like, I don't know, some of us, some of us, we're too afraid to ask God the Father. Lord, Father, what do you want with my life? What do you want me to do? Because we're afraid he might tell us to do something we don't want to do. Anybody experience that? It's going to send me to India for life, you know, live in the squatters there. So I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. Part of the orphan spirit as well, we begin to compete with one another. It's like, you know, when you're a street kid and you're on the streets, you, you, pro you have to protect your heart. You can't trust anyone. You're looking out for number one. You have to sort out your deal. And there's not enough for everybody. 
There's not enough food. There's not enough for everyone. So we're competing and fighting with our other street kids. And we compare ourselves and we upset when they got something and I didn't get. Why did they get blessed and I didn't get blessed? So there's like on the inside, you might not even say it. You might not even tell someone on the inside. You're thinking, shh, can't believe they got that. You know, we don't, we don't, we're not celebrating. We're not rejoicing with, with the blessing because of this, this orphan thing, this orphan competition and comparing. And if we find ourselves, if, if we have this orphan spirit influencing us and we find ourselves in leadership or even as parents, we could find ourselves becoming overly controlling. You know, it's like excessively trying to control every scenario. You know what happens to kids whose parents are excessively controlling? They stay in control until they're 18, and then they go to varsity, and then everything blows up. (laughs) Because the parents were too controlling. They didn't allow what was inside to come out. So sometimes you have to step back. (laughs) Let it blow up while you're still here. (laughs) So you can guide and direct But if we control every part, and I think that's the same challenge when we have an orphan spirit as a leader or as a a boss or a manager or as someone, we we can become overly controlling. And and then there's this this temptation to try and control everything. And uh, when you have an orphan spirit as well, then you're you're always, always the only way. The only way. And... uh, and sometimes we have to let go of those things. I mean, just the men's camp was just incredible. Uh, guys, it was good. Uh, it was amazing. <laughs> it was good. And about a, a month before the time, or six weeks before the time, I was praying about the men's camp, and I couldn't f- get a nice fit. Something wasn't right. And I felt the Lord say, I must tell Stephen or ask Stephen if he would take the men's camp for me. I was thinking, just sort of organize the logistics, not organize me out of the thing. But, uh, <laughs> but wow. I mean, with the next moment I saw the guys decided, the committee, the, the team that organizing, they decided the awesome people will not speak. The normal people will speak and share. I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away that the ordinary guys are not that ordinary. The ordinary guys are not that ordinary. I mean, the stories that were shared, it was phenomenal. But I realized for every one of us, there's this this challenge, especially when you're in leadership. Can you sometimes just step out of the way and allow others to flourish, to grow, to be themselves? You know, I would not have organized this camp as Stephen did. And it would not have been as good. It rocked. It was amazing. I mean, on Saturday morning, I'm not so crazy about about treasure hunting. So, it's not my strength. Okay? It's not my strength. Treasure hunting is when you pray, you know, in a little group. You pray, you ask God, Lord, show us. Give me, show me a person. Like, and I'm going to go onto the streets. I'm going to go find them. I'm going to find the treasure. So, I'm not so excited about treasure hunting. So I would never have organized this, but so Stephen organizes it, and the team. And so now the 60, 70 of us, everybody having a nice breakfast, Saturday morning, yay, this is good, this is so relaxing, and then suddenly, 
Mark pitches up how to hear the voice of God, and we're going to go out onto the streets. And everyone's like, ah! <sighs> no, no. I had to catch one or two guys at the door. They wanted to run away. I said, don't run, don't run. It's going to be okay. And so we prayed in small groups together, and it rocked. It's incredible. I mean, we had probably 15 or plus groups, and I guess every group have an incredible story of meeting their treasures on the street, sharing the gospel with people on the street, people getting healed and blessed. It was just good, and it was so easy. So I just realized again, my way isn't always the best way. Don't ever remind me of my words, but but I was amazed at the quality of people in this church, quality of guys, the quality of sharing, the quality of their passion for God, the, the humility to put their stuff out there. I was like, you're, <laughs> you're, wow, freedom. Father's house. And I spoke to some of the guys and they shared this is unheard of that in a church context that men would humble themselves and share their stuff as they did. And it was not and is not and will never be held against them in a court of law or otherwise. But it's incredible to, to, to see an environment where people can share their worst And we all say it's good. It's all good. The cross of Christ is greater. Wow, amazing what God has done in your life. And I realize that's what relationship is about. That is about what church is about. It's about, this is what the house of the Father looks like. Sons and daughters coming as they are, saying, well, here's my worst. Boom, what are you going to do with it? Aren't we going to love you? And Jesus is bigger than this. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, I think traditionally it might have been like, you know, in church, just don't tell them what you actually did and don't actually tell people what your past was like because it's going to be held against you. To be honest, in this church, you only get qualified for ministry when when you're sharing your stuff. And I believe that's the Father's house. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Sonship. Sonship, not the orphan spur. The orphan spur is always afraid of telling people what we've done and what we've been through. The spirit of sonship says, I have have a God confidence. That's what the spirit of sonship is. It's called Godfidence. I saw this on a t-shirt. It's not God confidence, it's Godfidence. Having a Godfidence, let's say it, I have a Godfidence. That's powerful. I believe, I believe this. we're living in an era, we're living in a culture. It is, if we could go back to a biblical scenario, I would say it would be with David, Goliath, the armies of Israel versus the armies of the Philistines. I would say that would be a good description of where the church of Jesus Christ is at right now. It's like these armies of the, the enemy armies intimidating the armies of God. So the armies of Israel were terrified. They were, 
terrified about this intimidating figure, Goliath. They They were cowering. They were running away. Until a boy rises up with a spirit of sonship on him. He saw things differently. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't intimidated. He wasn't going to back down. He saw everything differently because he had eyes of, he had the spirit of sonship on him. And so he looked at the scenario and said, who is this Philistine? I'm going to take you down. I believe there's a spirit, an evil spirit tormenting the people of God, the church of the living God, wanting to intimidate us saying, back down. Don't believe. Back down. Your past is too bad. Back down. Who do you think you are? Is you, you know, things aren't going that great in any case. Back down. That's the orphan spirit. The enemy wants us to take that orphan spirit and go out onto the streets and, and scavenge. Just try and, try and get by. Just try and make it. But I believe there's a spirit of sonship that God wants to, is pouring out upon his church where we can look into the face of every opposition and say, I believe. I have a Godfidence. I have a Godfidence. A God confidence. That's where God wants us to be. And so I believe Ephesians 1, it's all about what is sonship about? What does it look like? What does it mean to be a child of the Most High God? And so if you actually go read it and you meditate upon those scriptures it, and the Spirit of Sonship starts ministry, it's going to be like, wow, this is amazing. This is so powerful. But I want to first, I want to, I want to read, let me, let me just read the first two verses, three verses of Ephesians. Look at this. The Apostle Paul in prison. That always blows my mind. He's in, he's in prison. And he writes most profound things because he, he, he was a son of God. His faith was not dependent upon circumstances because circumstances lie to us. Our God is greater. Ephesians 1 verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. That's how he kicks it off. Apostle, a special messenger. By the will of God. That's me. That's what he's saying. That's me. I am a special messenger of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And I'm writing this letter to the saints who are in Ephesus. That's every one of us. A saint. Irrespective of your past. When you meet Jesus, he makes you a saint. Let's say I'm a saint. And faithful in Christ Jesus. You are the faithful. So he's releasing identity over the children of God. And he's saying you are the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you. Empowerment and favor to you. And peace. Wholeness from God. Our Father. (laughs) Have to get this. Our Father. Our Father. The Jesus, when he taught the guys to pray, he didn't say, pray, oh God, far and distant. He said, our Father, yes, who is in heaven, but who is with us through his Spirit. Our Father. Ephesians 1 verse 3, in the Passion Translation, everything heaven contains has already been lavished upon us. 
You see, this is not an orphan. This is not a street kid scenario. This is everything heaven. Everything heaven contains has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father. You see, this is who He is. You see, the orphan spirit will tell you there's not enough. And He's small and we're trying to make it and survive it. The spirit of sonship says, I've received it all. I've received it all from my wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because He sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate Him with all our hearts. It's amazing. It says, all because He sees us wrapped in Christ. It's because of what Jesus did for you and me that we can boldly come to the throne, no matter what our past looks like. You see, the orphan spirit magnifies the power of our past and our sin. The spirit of sonship magnifies the cross, magnifies the resurrection of Christ, magnifies the victory at the cross. Two weeks ago at the the worship weekend, I just felt the Lord tell me, so many of my children are fighting a fight that I've already won for them. So many of my children are fighting a fight that I have already won for them. We must just receive Let's say it, I receive. (laughs) Come on, I'm trusting that something's going to click on the inside of you. I'm trusting that the spirit of revelation will come upon you. He is good. He is wonderful. He is kind. His way is the best. We can trust him. They did a study to determine uh, the effects of fatherlessness in homes. And so there are six things that they found. The children are more likely to be poor if there's no father in the house. The children are more likely to become involved in drug and alcohol abuse. The children are more likely to drop out of school, more likely to suffer from health and emotional problems. Boys are more likely to become involved in crime. And girls are more likely to become pregnant as teens. So I was thinking, if this is just not having a natural father, what would be the effect of being an orphan in the spirit? And so I want to connect a few things that I believe is the effect of the orphan spirit in our lives. We will be spiritually poor. We will have no idea of the incredible inheritance that God has given to us. We will find ourselves bound by sin because we have no power to break out of it because we're just an orphan. We don't have the resources to break out of sin. We will find ourselves dropping out of church life. We will disconnect ourselves over and over again because we have a deep mistrust of people feeling like a stranger, feeling as if we don't fit, feeling as if we're not good enough. We'll find ourselves disconnecting from church life even if it's just in our heart. We'll find ourselves suffer from fear and other torments because the spirit of, of the orphan spirit is a spirit of bondage that leads to fear. Because we need to fight for ourselves, we need to fend for ourselves. We, we don't have a father then that, that looks after us. We'll find ourselves living lawlessly, a law unto ourselves. We'll do it our way. We won't do it the father's way. And then lastly, 
I believe we will look for love in all the wrong places. When we do not understand or know or experience the love of the Father, we will find ourselves looking in all the wrong places in the world. We will look to the world to satisfy us because we have a deep, a deep issue. I'm not satisfied. I come to church, I read my Bible, I worship, I pray, but I still feel unloved. I still feel disconnected. I still feel as if there must be something more. And so we start looking in the world for love. Orphan spirit. I'm sharing it because I want you to see it if it's part of you. Because we want to pray today that God would come and set us free. So what does a son look like? A, a true son looks like Jesus. And look at this verse. It's amazing. It reveals to you, it reveals to us what a son looks like. John chapter 13, verse 3 to 4. And I believe these are the elements we need to get a revelation of so that we can be truly secure, strong, and able, 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 able to do what God calls us to do. Look at this. It says, Jesus knowing. Say knowing. Okay, so God wants you and me to know, knowing. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. And that he had come from God and was going to God. Rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. And then he washed the feet of his disciples. That's incredible. The creator of heaven and earth. Now if it was you and me, if we were anything close to creator, I would think, I don't wash feet. Do you know who I am? Do you have any idea how glorious I am? Powerful, able. I mean, I, everything, I made it all. How on earth can you expect me to wash your feet? Cease. You should wash my feet. You know, and I think when we are insecure in our identity, then even more we want to prop ourselves up. Through different things. Well, do you know what car I drive? I'm not going to say it, but just look, you know. <sighs> do you know what type of job I have? Do you know how many people are working for me? Do you know the degree that I have? I don't have a job, but I, do you know the degree that I have? <sighs> I'm somebody. I am somebody. Do you know our legacy? Oh, we have a long family legacy. We are important people. Or whatever it might be. Or maybe you scored the best score ever in some other Sony PlayStation game and you think you're epic. Do you know my score? I'm 30-something, I'm living at home, I'm still playing games, but I rock. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> Point being, we all will find something to prop ourselves up to be somebody. To be valuable, to, to, so that we can feel confident. But I believe it's false confidence. It, it was not, it's not supposed to be like it because Jesus, the Son of God, God, the Son, Creator, God, He says, knowing that the Father has given all things to me, everything 
is mine. And knowing that he has come from the Father, and knowing that he's going to the Father, he girded himself and he went onto his knees and he washed feet. I think that's amazing. This is the power of sonship. The power of sonship is to empower us to serve like never before. It gives us a security and a confidence to lay down our lives. It gives us security and a confidence to just love on people. Now, I love praying for people that are sick. And I especially when we go and travels, even down Port Alfred, we're praying for a, for a guy. I think he was a, he's, a, he's just like a street, street guy. And, and he had some serious issues with his feet and things on his feet. And so I'm on my knees. I'm praying for him, touching his feet. And I'm thinking, whenever I do that, I just think this is so good. This is so good. You know, when we're in Argentina now as well, people would have toe problems and they take off their shoes and I'm on my knees, I'm there, you know. Because that, that security in him empowers us to go to our knees and touch people's feet and love them. But Jesus knew that everything was given to him. He knew that he was coming from the Father and he knew he was going to the Father so he could do this. And then he said, guys, now do the same. I've, I've given you an example. But you need the spirit of sonship, that confidence. You see, same for you and me. God is saying, I've lavished over you all of heaven's resources. It's all yours. It's yours. Everything you need to turn the world upside down, right side up. Ah, it's yours. Just get over the intimidation. Get over your fear. Stop listening to the giant. Stop listening to the accusations of family or friends or whoever saying, well, you look stupid, you know, you're Christian rubbish. Awesome. Bring it on. Bring it on. But it's the same. God has lavished you and me. Everything is given to us. And beyond that, it says we are born of God. So we come from the Father. When you become a Christian, you are born of God. You come from Him. And your name is written in the book of life. You are going to Him. Having all of this now, let's serve. Let's love somebody. Let's get on our knees and passionately love somebody. Let's serve. Sonship is empowerment to serve. Someone said, you can't threaten me with heaven. Eh? Death. What is death? It's going to heaven. Shortcut. Boom. Yay. I'm home. You can't threaten me with heaven. I'm going to the Father. That's where Jesus was at. That is the spirit of the sonship. The orphan spirit is always afraid, insecure. Worried, sonship, fearless, Godfidence, a Godfidence. Now look at this, Ephesians 1, 15 to 19. The Apostle Paul, he prayed, prayed for. And he says there, Therefore I also, after I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. The Apostle Paul believed in the power of prayer. Do we? You know, when, when at Ignite, we were about, I think we were six people on Thursday evening. And uh, I think two of them had to be there. Because they were doing the worship and so forth. 
So no, I, I don't put my faith in a number of people at a prayer meeting. And I'm sure all of you probably, you know, you put on music in the mornings and you worship before God, don't you? And then you do some powerful spiritual warfare and you take authority over the day. You know, you tell the devil you can go jump and you're going to, you speak to your mountain, eh? I'm sure we all do that. Then it's okay. Then don't come to ignite. It's fine. But, uh, but sometimes it makes me wonder, you know, oh God, are we seeing it? Are we clicking it? Do we realize the authority that we have in Christ? Do we realize the impact our prayers could make? Do we realize that when we lift up the name of Jesus, that darkness flees? Do we realize? Because I believe if we realize it, we will, we will climb in and we will worship and we will pray and we will seek the face of God like never before. So anyway, so we're going to start something different, just fresh. We're going to start a monthly, a monthly Ignite meeting for the whole church, for the whole church. So once a month, we're going to pray together. We're still going to have the mini Ignites the other weeks, but once a month. Come on, I think we can do once a month. Can we do once a month? Can we do once a month? Yes. I will do a yes. Come on. Having lavished upon us all of heaven's resources. I mean, it's like an armory of weapons. We have nukes. We have scud missiles. We have you name it. And then we play BB gun. Boom, boom. No. Let's take up our weapons. Let's hurt. The enemy. I normally have two agendas whenever I work with anybody. The one is I want to love someone. And secondly, I want to hurt the enemy. It's my pet hobby. Anyway, I'm distracted. But Paul said, I make mention of you in my prayers continuously. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, May give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So I'm praying for you that your eyes would open. I'm praying that you would see how much you have been already given. I pray that the spirit of sonship would come upon you, that your eyes would open and that you would say, wow, let's do this. I see, understand, I realize. So he's praying. I give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, light coming upon your eyes that you may see, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. The knowledge of him. So there's amazing things in there. It's profound. But the one is to know him, to not look outside, not be the street child from the outside peering through the window, getting a distorted view of who the Father is, but being inside with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, saying, Father, you are so good. I love you so much. You know, I for many years focus a lot on Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, thank you. I pray for this, Jesus. But I realized for many years I haven't come to the Father. I haven't come to my father. And so I want to encourage you. I believe there's a, a shift, a change that happens on the inside when we come to God as a loving father. 
No longer orphans, but free. So Ephesians 1, 7 to 8 speaks of this. About the freedom that God has given to us. It says he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. You know, that's why we can share. That's why we can share. I'm getting hot. That's why I like aircon. We're not going to do it to you. But it's amazing. In the, in the context of the greatness of the cross, as I said, sonship amplifies the cross and the power of the blood. The orphan spirit amplifies sin. It amplifies the effects of sin and it focuses on fear. So here it says, but he has purchased our freedom. Let's say it purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. I want to say to you, there's not one thing that you could have done or will do that is too too bad for the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says that he has showered his kindness on us. Come on, see this, see this. He has showered his kindness on us. Let your heart just receive that. He has showered, not just like a trickle, a little bit of uh, itsy bitsy bit of kindness. It's like he's showering, like a serious shower, his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. And then he says, know what is the hope of his calling. Know what is the hope of his calling. Ephesians 1 verse 4 to 6. I want to read that to you. Ephesians 1. I just want to take you through some of those verses. It's just so powerful. If you actually read it, you meditate upon this. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That's so profound. It's not like, okay, God is in heaven, uh, Gabriel comes to God, God, we've got a gap over there. Well, yeah, who's available? Anybody available? Oh, well, let's try her, you know, let's try him. Let's see if they can, oh, whoa, 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 bad past. Ish. I don't know, we can use them. Okay, Gabriel, let's give it a go in any case. Let's give it a go. No, before you were born, you were chosen. Before you were a twinkle in your papa's eye, you were planned by your heavenly dad. Planned. And everything you've gone through, all the bad stuff, wasn't of God, but God knew it would happen and he's made provision for it and he will turn it for his good. Before the foundation of the world... That's why the Apostle Paul could say, I am Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? What, what, what is your response? I am holding on for dear life. What's your response? What's your anchor? Where, where are you standing? I have had a stuffed up past. Scriptures say blameless, without fault in his eyes. There's a confidence, a Godfidence that God wants each of us to have to say, well, God has birthed me into this world. He has brought me. He has saved me. He has called me. And I have a Godfidence. 
You did not save yourself. He saved you and it is a miracle. Have you ever tried to talk someone into the kingdom? <laughs> Especially family? Yay, yay, yay. Then you know it's a miracle you got saved. <laughs> but I remember, um, it just reminds me of, of, of just how I came to Christ. But I was a first year student at Stellenbosch. I was a messed up second year, second term of, of my first year. I, I was in trouble for drinking too much on telephone duty. So I had these I was in trouble and I was losing my girlfriend and things were dear my car. Things were just, I don't know if I was Arthur or Martha. I didn't know if I was coming or going. I was just confused. And in the midst of that, in that moment, you know, and there's not one person in my extended family that I know that are truly born again, that truly serve Christ. Not one. Nice people, wonderful people, but they don't know Jesus. But in the midst of that, that moment, someone comes to me, a master's degree student. His name is Etienne Bowe. He's now a missionary in Tanzania. He comes to me and he says to me, God appeared to him in a dream the previous night. And in the dream, the Lord told him to invite me to church. I'm thinking, you are weird. You are weird. You are freaky. You know, and if you come from the church background that I do, any traditional church background, any church that's not like your church is of the devil. They, treat, we, they teach us well, don't they? So you normally run the other direction because it's probably a cult and a sect and a weird bunch of people. But I found myself at this church, Shofar Stellenbosch, found myself in this, in this school hall, and I remember, as I was outside the school hall, I was like, everything, everything in me said, don't go in. Don't go in. I even got pain in my leg. I had like, my leg had to come along. <laughs> I was stuffed up. Uh, the devil knew there's something going to happen today. So darkness wanted to keep me back. But I was chosen. I was chosen by him, loving father. And so were you. And so I went in there and I enjoyed the worship. Pain in my leg went away. <laughs> and then the pastor made an altar call for who wants to come forward and give their life to Jesus. I couldn't hear a thing. My ears were like deaf. I don't know. I couldn't hear. Then they said, second altar call, who wants to come forward? And who wants more of Jesus? One guy turned to me, I think it was Etienne, and said, don't you want to go forward? <laughs> I didn't feel like a sinner or anything. I didn't feel like a bad person. But I went forward, and there were 60, 50, 60 people in the front of the church. And I was trying to blend. Close my eyes, look like others. <laughs> you know, if all else fails, Blend. And the pastor prayed for someone in the front. And then I was standing at the back. And then he walked in between everybody. And he came and he stood next to me. And I think, well, hell. <laughs> and he put his hand on my shoulder. And he just said to me, give in to Jesus. And I experienced the fire of God coursing through my body. I experienced the presence of God touching me. And for the first time in my life, I knew God is real. I was chosen. And I'm so thankful. 
Before the foundation of the world, I was planned. And so were you. Don't run away from your heavenly father. He loves you. He wants to give you peace and joy. He wants to reveal to you who you truly are. He wants to set you free. He wants to give you freedom. He wants to... He wants to change the world through you. One person at a time. He wants to... He wants you to be a son and a daughter. If you're a, he wants you to have that spirit of sonship resting upon you so that you are so secure, so confident that you can press through every opposition, every persecution, every lie that someone may even put against you. Just, nah, 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 I know who my God is. God's called me. I'm going to love you. Turn it around. Sonship. Sonship. He wants to set you free. He wants you to be able to look someone in the eye and tell them about Jesus. Or just look them in the eye and love them. No longer ashamed of being a Christian. Freedom. Freedom. Hallelujah.